week or two, maybe talking about the basics. We're getting ready for our missions commitment here for the year. So get ready for that. Every, everything has to have a foundation. Every building has to have a foundation. When you go to build a building, before you can put the walls up, there has to be some work that goes down underneath. There has to be some work that goes down underneath that you never see again. Amen? You won't ever see the foundation of this building unless this building is raised. R-A-Z-E-D. Raised. Right? If we tear this building down, you'll see around the outside of the building, there was a footer that was poured, a foundation that was poured and built. And so we have to set on a foundation. So you have to set on a foundation. You have to have a foundation in your life. And so the basics we want to talk about are the gospel. The reason we're all here is the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. The reason that we're all here is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel brings in the power of God to bring about salvation. Amen? So the gospel brings the power of God, the presence of God, the element of God to bring about salvation in our lives. I would think that all of us in here probably, our main goal is to be saved. I mean, listen, if you're just coming here to see me, there are a lot better shows you can go to. I'm telling you. And a lot of them are free as well. Amen. You're not coming here to see me. You're coming here to get ready to see the Lord. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Well, I don't. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go. Then, you know, hell is going to be put cast into the lake of fire. How about that? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire. I don't want to be tormented all my my eternal days. That's kind of a oxymoron, eternal days. All of eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I want to be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever. I like it when we're in church services and the power of the Lord is so strong that you don't want to leave. You ever been in those services? The power of the Lord is so strong you don't want to leave His presence. Well, one day that's what heaven's going to be like because one day we get, when we get to heaven, we never have to leave. Hey, now there you go. You never have to leave His presence. But Paul said the gospel brings salvation through the power of God. And he said in 1 Corinthians Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach to you, and you have received, and you now stand, by which you also, which also you are saved, everybody say saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and how that and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So look what he says here. This is in, I believe, the, the Living Bible here. In verse 2, he said, or, Let me remind you, brothers, of what the gospel really is. For it is not changed. It is the same good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and now still, and still do now, for your faith is squarely built upon this wonderful message. So our faith is built on the gospel. We want to be a church that the gospel is readily available all the time. All right? I I have friends of mine who pastor churches, and they do baptisms the last Sunday of the month. Now, we want to baptize you when you're ready. I'm not going to look at you and say, okay, Nathan, It's I know you want to get baptized, Nathan, but it's only the third Sunday of the month, so you're going to have to wait two more weeks. 
Now, I can understand that if you're on city water and trying to lower your bill, but we're not. We got tons of water here. There's more water here than there is in half of Arizona. Amen. Amen. So if Nathan wants to get baptized right here, right now, you give me 25 to 30 minutes and it'll be hotter than the jacuzzi. Amen. You'll be ready to roll. Hallelujah. What are you trying to say? We want to make the gospel available anytime, any place, anywhere to anybody. To anybody. Okay? So if there's a 911, I get a 911 text. Pastor, I got so-and-so, they're ready to get baptized now. I say, respond. Bring them. Bring them on. We got a robe and some towels. Amen. If they need a haircut, Vernie will call him and he can take care of that. Whatever. Okay. So we're built upon this message. It is the good news that saves you. It is this gospel that saves you. Then Paul said, I passed on to you right from the first that you told me that had been, ah, from the first what had been told to me that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again or he rose from the grave, just as the prophets foretold. Three elements to the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what we look at as the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now take note of this. It is the new good news that saves you that Christ died, he was buried, and rose from the grave. So the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 is the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, disciples are ones who were taught. Up until the book of Acts, Jesus had 12 men that followed him. They were known as the disciples. At the book of Acts, from the time that the Holy Ghost fell in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they are no longer called disciples. A disciple means one who is taught. If you look all through the book of Acts, they are called apostles. An apostle is one who is sent. And so these disciples went from being taught to being sent because now they're going to begin to talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The Amplified says, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children in imitate their fathers kids imitate their parents kids imitate their fathers and so what paul is saying here was i want you to follow christ and i want you to imitate his example i want you to do like he did that's a pretty good that's a pretty good uh example to follow there and imitate matthew 28:19 says go ye therefore and teach all nations The New Living says, go and make disciples of all nations. So we are called to go make disciples. We are called not to just receive the gospel into our lives and keep it, but we're supposed to share it. Amen. We're supposed to share it with people at work, with people at Walmart. Had an interesting thing happen at Walmart the other night. Oh, and by the way, we have counted all the toilet paper rolls this morning. I had Brother Gary do it. So we know how many still here. You're on surveillance camera. We're going to recount after church and make sure we got appropriate amount of toilet paper rolls like we started out with. Wouldn't you know that I ran out of toilet paper on Wednesday night? So when did I have to go buy more at Walmart? On Thursday when there was a rush at Walmart for toilet paper. Yeah. Had an interesting thing happen at Walmart. I, I go through the checkout line, the self-checkout, and, and I buy a bag of chicken breast, a gallon of milk, and macaroni and cheese. And it was 30-some dollars. I said, Lord, Lord Jesus, it's a far. Why is this so expensive? Well, when I got the ticket, it said, seedless red grapes. Four pounds of seedless red grapes. You know, the red grapes are expensive. 
Well, I didn't buy red grapes. So I called the young man that was standing right there. I called him Sir because he had a vest on. Sir, hey, I did not buy seedless red grapes, but it says that I did here on my receipt. But I didn't buy any. And he looked at the receipt, and he said, this was the wrong answer. Well, it said you bought them. And I unpacked my bag East Coast style. Here's my chicken. Here's my milk. And there's the macaroni and cheese. Do you see any red seedless grapes, sir? Well, he said, I can't do anything about it. You'll have to go to customer service. So I went to customer service. And she was so accommodating. I said, I bought this, these three items. It says I bought four pounds of red seedless grapes, but I didn't. I don't have any grapes. And she said, I'll get your refund. Praise the Lord. That's all they had to do. Just get the refund. Right? That's all you had to do. Then afterward, I got to thinking, Lord, when I squeezed that macaroni and cheese box nearly in half, was I showing the love of the gospel? And I had to ask for forgiveness. But when he said, it said you bought them. I know what it said. I'm a college graduate. I can read this. I know what it said. But that was a little slip of my situation, and I didn't exactly show the power of the gospel at that moment. Okay, it started in my feet and started boiling real fast. So we're, we're called to go teach and make disciples. Teach the gospel, amen? Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, for lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The New Living says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So, so here... Matthew writes that we are to teach the commands of the Lord. Paul writes in Ephesians, teach him to be imitators. And so we are to be imitators of Christ. If Jesus prayed, we're supposed to pray. If Jesus fasted, he's, we're supposed to fast. If Jesus was baptized, that was for our example. That's what he said, remember? And so we go through all of this and, uh, Jesus, these words spake Jesus. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, John seventeen nineteen, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. And so what God has set up here in his kingdom Basically, we would call it today network marketing. The kingdom is a network. The kingdom grows by people talking. The kingdom grows by people living an example. Except when you buy or don't buy the red seed, the scrapes. The kingdom grows as people see Jesus in us. The, pe- the kingdom grows as people see a change in us. We're supposed to change. Johnny hit that this morning. That the Lord wants us to change. We come into the church. We come into the kingdom. We come to change. We come in here to be different than we are. We don't like the old man the way he is. We don't like the way I I used to talk. I don't like the way I used to live. I don't like the way I used to feel. I used to feel lonely. I used to feel depressed and empty inside. I didn't like that feeling. I knew I needed something more than what I could give myself. And that's how I found the church. And that's how I found the kingdom. And all of us came here for a reason. All of us came here because of a situation. All of us came here because, hey, this is the thing to do. This is what I need in life. And we've all discovered that the kingdom of God is what we need. So what did the apostles teach? What did they teach? Acts 2, 37 through 39, it happens in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gospel was what? According to Acts 2, 37 through 39, it was what? Repentance, baptism in water, and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Everybody say ABC. Come on, you can do this now. We're going to do it together and strong. One, two, three. ABC. One, two, three. Okay, we're going to work on this a little bit. We're going to have ABC. One, two, three. It's as easy as ABC. One, two, three. Christ died. He was buried. He rose again. The gospel. Repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost. What is that? The death, burial, the resurrection. So together, they go and coincide with each other and fit together. Because we are to be imitators of Christ. We are to follow His example. What was His example? He's hanging on the cross. They're making fun of Him. They've whipped Him to pieces. They've, 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 They've beat him almost practically to death. They've smashed a crown of thorns on his head. They've buffeted his face. His face is swollen. His eyes are black. His, his, his back is bleeding and open and oozing. And he's, he hasn't had sleep in days. And he, he, he's in terrible shape. And he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. That's what we're supposed to do. See, I was a long way from that when I smashed that macaroni box. Frank, don't shake your head that hard. You just I know I was. Man, Frank's like I know, Frank, I felt bad. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. That's tough. That's tough when people treat you like that. We get all bent out of shape when somebody talks about us. We get all bent out of shape when we think somebody said something about us or did something to us that wasn't fair. We get all bent out of shape about that. And here he's, he's laying, he's on the cross hanging with nails in his hands and in his feet. If he doesn't die soon, they're coming by to break his legs. So that he won't be able to push up with his legs anymore. And then he'll begin to, he'll begin to, to sink. And then he'll begin to, to die from suffocation because his diaphragm won't be able to expand anymore and he won't be able to get air into his lungs. He's in the middle of dying a ruthless, cruel death and he's saying, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So we're to be imitators of God. But not only in that, but also in what he practiced and how he walked on this earth. The Greek Word for repentance is metaneo. How about that? Metaneo. It means to change one's mind, to repent, to turn around. To change your mind and turn around. When you came into the kingdom, there was a conflict that happened in your life. There was that conflict between your flesh and your spirit. There was that conflict between deciding whether I need to do this or I need to do that. There's this conflict going on. And so then suddenly this war begins to happen. And as this war begins to happen, it's called repentance. God is asking you to change. Repent is 46 times in the New Testament. Repentance 26 times. Repented 32 times. So we have God's sufficient evidence in the New Testament alone that we are supposed to repent. We are supposed to change our minds. Well, so the heroes of the scripture, what they say about repentance, John the Baptist, in those days he came preaching in the wilderness saying, repent ye, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does repent mean? It means to turn around, to change, to walk away from, to be, to do, do things different than what you have been. Jesus said, Matthew 4, 17, from the time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke 13:3 and Luke 13:5 both say this, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There has to be a change. And this is the foundation that we're built on. 
is repentance. Luke 13, uh, in the Living Bible, he said, Not at all, and don't you realize that you will also, also you will perish unless you leave your evil ways and turn to God. That's a very nice way to explain it. Leave your evil ways and turn to God. Now, repentance is a process. It's not a one-time deal. It's a process. I had to repent after I smashed in the macaroni and cheese box. I just couldn't believe you said, well, it said you bought them. I know it said it bought them. Do you see them? Repentance is a process all the time. It's not a one-time deal. There's that initial repentance that says, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I'll change whatever you are not happy with me doing, and I'll make a new life for you. But then, as we go through life, the devil's still trying to pull us back. The devil's still trying to pull us down. Amen? The devil still tempts you. Anybody in here been tempted lately? All right, six of you. Powerful. I'm, this is the most powerful church on the face of the earth. The devil tempts us. The devil tempts us with anger. The devil tempts us with impatience. The devil tempts us in, in traffic when people are going slow. The devil tempts us at Walmart when they say you bought it, but it's not in your cart. The devil tempts us. And it's a continual repentance. It's a continual, I've got to get back. I've got to come back. I've got to come back. And so we've got to keep from those evil ways that the enemy tries to throw on us. Amen? And so Simon Peter said in verse 2 or verse 38 of chapter 2, he said, repent. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins be blotted out. Repent and be converted. Repent and change. Amen. Paul said, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17.30. It's time to repent. You know, there are times when as a church body, I like to open up a service with repentance. You know, come on, let's repent. Listen, repentance removes the blockages in our life that stop the flow of the Spirit in our lives. I know none of you have ever experienced this. But you know, I've been living for the Lord and I've had a bad week. And I had, I had some trip-ups. Now, I'm not talking about now. I'm, I'm going back 30, 30 years ago or so. And I'd come into the house of the Lord, and I feel like trash. And I'm white. So I felt like white trash. And the power of the Lord is moving. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. And I feel like every sin that I committed was billboarded across the sign on my forehead. And everybody in church knew every sin that I did that week. What is that? That's called conviction. That's called coming into the presence of the Lord. And His presence is so pure and so awesome that when you come into His presence, you feel dirty and you feel like you're lacking and there's there's something missing. The devil doesn't want people going to churches where the presence of the Lord is moving. Oh, yeah. The devil would rather let you go to a dead church and go through a ritual and through a routine and say, oh, check it off. You went to church this week, but your heart is never changed and your life is still empty. That's why it's important for us to usher in the presence of the Lord every time we come together. Because when the presence of the Lord comes in, then healing comes in. Then forgiveness comes in. Then that power to wash away, oh, to wash away that temptation comes in. Amen. That power, that stronghold that the devil had in your life to stand on, that little precipice, that little cliff in your life that the devil was allowed to stand on to throw those jabs, those javelins of temptation at you. Then the Spirit of the Lord knocks off that little shelf where the enemy stood and he can stand there no more because now in the presence of the Lord you get power. In the presence of the Lord you get deliverance. In the 
presence of the Lord, you get forgiveness of sins. That's why the devil fights us. That's why the devil doesn't want us to have a moving Holy Ghost filled service. We gotta have the power of the Lord. We gotta have His presence. If we don't have His presence, we just have a club. We just have a gathering. Amen. But when His presence moves in, powerful things happen. When His presence moves in, all that sin is gone. It's washed away by His power and by His presence. Paul said in Acts 26 20, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. So that's what we do when we repent. We re- we turn around to God. We have born, we, David said we were born in sin and we were shaping in iniquity. Amen. It's in our nature to be sinners. It's in my nature to be a sinner. It's in my nature to have an attitude. It's in my nature to have a bad temper. It's in my nature to steal. It's in my nature to lie. It's in my nature to commit adultery. It's in my nature to fornicate. It's in my nature. Well, let me share the wealth here. It's in our nature. All you life players, share the wealth. Hated that card, unless I had it. Amen. Share the wealth. All of us have that nature. All of us have that inside of us. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross and shed his blood. That's why he had to take the stripes. That's why he had to take the beatings. That's why he had to take all of that. Why? To redeem us out of that and to give us a chance. And now we have repentance and we have redemption through his blood to come into his presence. Amen. Amen. So the New Testament in the Gospels, the Gospels introduce us to Christ. History book puts us in Christ. That's the book of Acts. The epistles, that's from Romans to Jude. The epistles are letters sent by the apostles back to the churches in Acts. Make sense? And then we have prophecy, the book of Revelation that tells us our future with Christ. The components of repentance, Acts 16.30 And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. This is the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. Believe comes from the Greek word right there. Pistoo. To have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or thing. To entrust. So the first thing they said was, we need you to believe on the Lord. We need you to believe on Jesus. If you don't believe on Jesus, you're not going to be able to find repentance. If you don't believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's no way you can find repentance. Amen? And he said, thou shalt be saved. Sozo. It means to save, to deliver, or protect. So did Paul stop there? He said, and they was baptized. Acts chapter 16, 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. The components of repentance. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. But what saith it? The word. Everybody say the word. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, Jesus has to be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Jesus has to be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Before I got the Holy Ghost, Brother Randall, I held one little place in my life that said, this is mine. I didn't realize at that point how good a negotiator God really was. Oh, you know, he's hard. He's hard. And I could not, 
I could not get the Holy Ghost. I wanted the Holy Ghost, or I thought I did, right? Thought I wanted it, couldn't get it, held this one area in my heart. I said, Lord, you can have all of this. You can have the 99.5, but I got to have this half percent. Well, that don't work. So if anybody's in here negotiating with the Lord on anything right now, I'm telling you, you're going to lose. It's over. You're going to have to tap out. You're going to have to tap out. And so this one spot I was holding on to, I said, I got to have this. And it was finally, I got to the point where I was so miserable, and I finally said, Lord, I don't even care about that half percent. You can have it too. I just want the Holy Ghost. I just want you in my life. I want you in my life completely. So I'm confessing with my mouth, just like this guy did. So to confess means to assent, to go in covenant, to acknowledge. So now I'm acknowledging, Lord, I need you in my life. Lord, you are Lord of all. You, I've got to, and thou shalt believe, all right, to have faith in. There we go. Respect for personal thing. We already did that. In thine heart, cardia. How about that? The Greek word for heart is cardia. When your heart gets arrested by the authorities, what do they call that? Two nurses, right? What do they call that? Cardiac arrest, cardia, heart. The thoughts, the feelings of the mind, repent to change one's mind. Change your mind. Change your thinking. You got to change the way you approach God. You got to change the way. You got to come to God and believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Why do I have to repent? Why do I have to change my thinking? Why? Look at your neighbor and ask him, why? Why? Ask him like you're from Texas. Michelle don't understand this. Why? Why? I was in my office one day. Hopefully she's not watching. I was in my office one day and Caitlin was in there. And she said something and I, and I didn't hear everything she said. And I said, what do you say about being nice? She said, sir? That's how they say it in the South. Sir? That means what? Sir? I'm like, you just said something to me about being nice. She said, no. I said, I have to go get some eyes. I said, oh, eyes. Okay. Eyes. Why do you have to change your thinking? You got to be nice. Why change your thinking? Psalm 51, 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. The living Bible says, But I was born a sinner. Look at your neighbor and congratulate him saying, Way to go, sinner. Look at him again and say, I knew it all the time. Amen. Knew it all the time. The living Bible says, but I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. We were born in sin. We were born into this mess. So Galatians 5.19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, self-ambition, dissension, division. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that's hate speech today. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't change God and it doesn't change the word. If we're involved in any of that, he said, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's why we have to change. Ephesians 4.22 in the Amplified. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard the old unrenewed self. You see, when you are born again, you are renewed. You're a new creature in Christ. You're new now. The old guy is gone. Amen. Which characterized, what did this unrenewed self Characterize your previous manner of life 
and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Guess what? That's not just when you're born again the first time initially. That's a continual daily thing because the devil is constantly attacking your mind. Oh, this is pretty good. The devil's attacking your mind. The devil's going to attack your mind. You're going to want to live for God and the devil's going to try to attack your mind. You're going to try to live for God and the devil's going to put ignorant people in your life. That was the nicest way I could say it. You're going to try to live for God and the devil's going to create every diversion. He's going to create every distraction that he can to keep you from living for God. Because the devil doesn't want to lose territory. Oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. Go to Mark chapter number 5. You don't have to go there. I'm just telling you. Mark chapter number 5. When the demoniac of Gadara was talking to Jesus and, and the demons were talking to Jesus, they said, we legion for we are many. Jesus said, well, you're not going to be here much longer because I'm getting ready to cast you out. And legion says to him, do not send us out of the country. The devil wants territory. He wants your heart. He wants your life. That's why he fights us. That's why we have to be renew our spirit in our minds day by day. Verse 24, and put on the new nature. Everybody say new. The new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. What do we need to do today? 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Wherefore, henceforth know ye, we know, we know man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. When you come into the kingdom, God wants to make you new. You know, my kids, my kids grew up in church. We always went to church. When we didn't have a church to go to, we drove 75 miles one way to church. So when somebody tells me I can't come four miles because it's too far, (laughs) okay, whatever. Whatever. Because we loaded up four kids from the ages of four to 14 and hauled them to St. Louis. Every week, hauled them. We didn't know anybody in that church. We just went. Hauled them. But guess what? Even though those kids grew up in that atmosphere, they still had to find their own salvation. They still had to find their own relationship with the Lord. They can't live off mine. Amen. They can't live off of of Miss Amy's. They got to find their own. You got to work out your own salvation. We preached that a few weeks ago. You got to work it out on your own. You got to realize, you got to come to the realization you're lost. Man, I'm lost. I had to come to the realization I'm lost, I'm in trouble, and I'm not doing very well. I had to come to the realization, yo, man, I need Jesus in my life. Now, there's some people that that's very difficult for them to, to accept. It's very difficult for them to accept that they need Jesus. It's very difficult for them to accept they need the Lord in their lives. Because there's a, this is five-letter word. P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's what the word says. Some people are too proud. All of us know proud people. All of us know people who are, who are too proud to say, oh, I need God in my life. We've seen entertainment and billionaire moguls stand up and say Christianity is for weak-minded people. Well, I wonder what Mr. Turner would say today. I think he's about about gone on to the other side of where all more mortal creatures go eventually, called the grave. One day we're all going to stand before God. One day we're all going to stand in front of Jesus Christ and declare he is Lord. 
one day each and every one of us, no matter how much money we got, no how much how much education we got, we're all going to stand before God. Amen. Old things are going to be passed away and all things are become new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that the end of my slides? Aren't you excited about that? I'm telling you this today, brothers and sisters, you got to repent. Repentance is the very first element of the foundation of the gospel. It takes believing power, first of all, to get you to the point that you can even come to God. For they that come to God must believe that he is. Do you realize what each of you believe today? Each of you believe in an invisible God. Each of, a, each of you believe in an invisible God. A God you cannot see with your eyes. A God you cannot touch with your physical hand. A God that you say talks to you. And in this world today of reasoning and education and all of that business, it's it, the pe- people with, with an educated mind, people with a mind that has been clouded by humanism and worldly, worldliness and secularism and postmodernism find it hard to believe that uh, an invisible God would talk to you. But yet you also believe in the Bible. You also believe in the Bible that talks about Abraham heard a voice from an invisible God. You see, Abraham was an idol worshiper. Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldees. His whole humanity, his whole oikos, his whole circle was full of idol worship. And yet he declares that he heard a voice that said, everywhere you go, Abraham, I'm going to give you. Every place you put your feet, I'm going to give it to you. Every place that your eyes, your vision falls on, I'm going to give it to you and to your seed. And he actually believed God. And the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness. And so I'm going to finish it up today with this. Although each of us have to repent, all of us are righteous. Because you're a believer. And Abraham believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness. If you're a believer, you're righteous. So those of you that the devil has been fighting, those of you that the devil has been saying, You don't deserve God in your life. You don't deserve to have the presence of God in your life. The devil's lying to you because you're bold enough to believe. And if you believe, you're righteous. And if you believe, you stand in a position to receive. Amen? That's pretty awesome. Let's all stand. Repentance. As brothers and sisters in the Lord, we repent that initial turn, that initial decision, that initial thought that says, I'm going to change my ways. And when that happens, then the gospel begins to unfold in your life. Those three elements begin to unfold quickly. It's all based on repentance. In fact, let me tell you this. I do not believe that a person can receive the Holy Ghost if they have not repented. Because they have to change. Because God is waiting for the change. Repentance is the very first and very essential layer of that foundation. But then after that initial experience and conversion comes and the gospel gets fulfilled with the baptism in water and then with the Holy Ghost coming into your life, which represents being buried and then resurrected in a new life. With all that happening, then after that, we still have to repent. Because now we're not walking from from a place of sinner going into saint, but now we're a saint who's now enjoying, what's that phrase in that song? What's that phrase in that song, Amy? Unending mercies and amazing grace. 
for life everlasting, for sins erased. Think about that. That's where you need repentance. Now, now you're on this side of the gospel. Now you're on this side to where when you mess up and you smash the box of cheese. I didn't even have to think about how much force I grabbed it with. When those words hit my ears, Lord Jesus, it was afar, right in here. I said, are you kidding me? I you says you bought them. I said, And see, I had to repent of it for an end in mercy, for amazing grace. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, can we sing that song again to end? An end in mercy, amazing grace. Let's do that real quick. You know that song, Addie. You know that song. Repentance. Repentance. First step. But it never leaves. You're always going back to repentance. We're always going back to keep our mind renewed. We're always going back to keep our mind fresh. We're always going back to keep that attitude right. It's that adjustment. But what's awesome about it, for an end in mercies for amazing grace, is now we're in his presence, and now we're heirs with God and join heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Ready? Okay. All right. I'll tell you what. Come on up here. Let's all just come on up here. I guess. How are we going to do it? I don't know where it all ends. For an end in mercy. For amazing grace. Yours is the name high above any other. Yours is the kingdom forever you reign. And yours is the power that lifted us out of the grave. Yours is the heart that is beating inside us. Yours is the glory and all of the fame. And yours is the love that you pour down on us. Arising up to sing your praise. To the King Almighty, to the one who saves, be glory. Amazing grace.
Hallelujah. 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 Now this thought came to me while I was down here. I don't know if anybody ever asked you this, or I don't know if, how you've ever answered this question. But somebody says, well, how do you really know that the Bible is true? And my response is always this. Everything that I have experienced in my life was said in the Bible. It said I would receive the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues. I received it. It said he would show me things to come. I've had dreams and visions of things to come in the future. So you have the Word of God to stand on and your experience. And what was it that Paul used when he was talking to King Agrippa and King Felix? He used his testimony. His story. And God's building a story in all of us. Amen. Johnny, God's building a story in you. How about that? How far is it from here to Laos? Seven, eight thousand miles? Something like that. It's a long way. Amen. God brought you all the way here to the great city of Andale, Illinois. Amen. To start writing his story in you. You see, God's got a plan in all of our lives. Amen. Amen. I know the Bible's true because everything the Bible talks about has happened in my life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay. So, life groups tonight, 6.30 to 8.30. In your life group, you're going to enjoy it. Don't forget to bring food, especially if you're coming to mine. Amen. Keep, keep, uh, Keep Danny and Carlita and their family in your prayers. Keep Margo in your prayers. Sister Pat in your prayers. You know, when Sister Pat fell about a month and a half ago, she broke her leg. There was a rod that tore loose in her leg. So she's, they told her after two weeks, they said, stay off your leg. She said, well, why didn't somebody tell me this two weeks ago? So she's got a fractured leg. Uh, Sister Geneva's brother, Kenny Morrell, he's here in the bulletin. Also, has there been an update on Kevin, Maxie? Anybody hear any more about Kevin? About the same. So Kevin Maxey from St. Elmo is in uh, ICU at Barnes dealing with the, the flu. And they totally just knocked him out for his lungs to re- try to recover. So remember, Kevin, he's one of the owners of Richardson Brothers. Uh, so remember all of these needs in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Wednesday night church, Saturday morning, 8.30, prayer. Let's see if we can have 41.